So let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. This message really landing very nicely here as we approach Christmas because it has everything to do with the peace of God and the God of peace. During this season, many people observe them. Some people say season's greetings, right, or happy holidays. But I encourage you, church, wherever you go, maybe the grocery store or at work, that you would really say, Merry Christmas. (laughs) That you would say, Jesus loves you, because it's about Jesus. So I encourage you to go out and, and tell people, use the name of Jesus during this time. People today need the peace of God. People right now need the God of peace. Why? Because many are struggling in this very area that we're going to talk about this morning. Many are wrestling with anxious thoughts during the holiday seasons, during Christmas and New Year's and Easter. They're they're wrestling with anxious thoughts throughout the holiday season of worry or maybe even loneliness where they need direction. And this is exactly why Philippians chapter 4 is the perfect passage to go to in preparation as we guard ourselves from this. That we realize that through Jesus, we can have peace. That in Jesus, we can have peace. And last week, we began with understanding that it's the peace of God that guards our heart and mind. What did he say? And the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. It will build a garrison around your heart and your mind to protect you. The peace of God. But today, we see that the God of peace guides you. If the peace of God guards you, notice this, the God of peace guides you. Today we're going to be guided through the God and with the God of peace. Now it's important that we know this, that you must know the God of peace so that you can experience the peace of God. Too many people today in this world that we live in, they are anxious and worried and try to find peace outside of God. You cannot find it. You must know the God of peace, so that you can experience the peace of God. In fact, you must be right with the God of peace so that you can experience the peace of God. So what is the message? Number one, the message is the God of peace. And the God of peace, we know Him because God came near as He made Himself human, a man, and now He was born in a humble major, Jesus, and that we would have a personal relationship with Him. Knowing the God of peace is our salvation. Knowing the God of peace is your salvation. And knowing the peace of God is our sanctification. That's how we're guided. That's how we grow. So He talks to us about how do we build unity in the church? How are we stable? How do we experience joy? How do we have peace? In verse 4 of chapter 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord. Verse 5, be gentle to all men. This is how you experience the joy, the peace, the stability, the unity. Verse 5, remember the Lord is at hand. Notice how he is calling us to remember these things so that we can walk in stability, joy, and peace. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. We'll pray about everything. And then you will experience the peace of God that guards your heart and mind. Now notice here, the peace of God 
is that which begins in the mind. And today, the title of the message is Cultivating a Christian Mind. Would you write that down? Cultivating a Christian Mind. Why do we want to cultivate a Christian mind? Because we want to know how can we have peace in difficult seasons. And right now, if you're going through a difficult season, a trial, maybe in your family, with your children, in your own mind, in your heart, that you're struggling, you're wrestling, notice here, two things that we look at this morning, right thinking, or thinking biblically, verse 8, and right living, or living biblically, verse 9. Because it all begins in the mind. Having peace in the mind even when circumstances are not going your way. So that you're not restless. So that you're not anxious. So that you're not afraid or worried. You have a renewed mind that sets itself or its trust in the Lord. In Romans 12 too, what does it say? Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. God is calling us to a renewal of our mind. And as we've renewed our mind, notice what also must happen. We must live biblically, right living, living biblically. How does that happen? By obeying the Word of God. In fact, James 1.22 says it this way, be doers of the Word, not only hearers deceiving yourselves. So we must have, your mind must be renewed, and your life must be transformed by the Word of God. Our mind must be renewed, our life must be transformed by the Word of God. This is exactly what he's referring to in these two verses that we look at this morning. And he speaks of this in order to have the peace of God because the spiritual battle, whether we lose or we win, the, notice the victory in the battle, it's always in the thought world, in the mind. In fact, our greatest sins oftentimes are those of the mind. So we have to know how to cultivate a Christian Mind. I like what Charles Spurgeon said when he said this, God will not manifest himself in the living room of your heart if we entertain the devil in the basement of our thoughts. <laughs> Just think about that. God will not manifest himself in the living room of your heart if we entertain the devil in the basement of our thoughts. Today we're not entertaining the thoughts of the enemy. Today, we do not want to entertain the thoughts that are not from the Lord. We want to have a mind that is set on the Lord. So right thinking, or godly thinking, verse 8. And why don't we read it there out loud, verse 8 and 9 together, as we go to the text of this morning. So let's read out loud, verse 8 and 9, Philippians chapter 4. It begins this way, together we say, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you have given us here the things that we need to meditate on, the things that we're called to meditate on. And I pray today if we're struggling in our mind, in the area of peace, Lord, if we're restless, 
maybe afraid or worried, anxious, where we cannot rest in our mind, Lord, today would you bring us the rest that we desire, the peace that we desire. And that it would only not be in our thoughts, but it also would be in our actions. That it would be manifested, Lord. That as you spoke to the church of Philippi, you would speak to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. Now notice there he begins in this verse, verse 8, saying, Finally, brethren, speaking to the church here. And he says, finally here, coming to a conclusion of the thought that he has been building, that we are to look to the Lord to have the peace of God. That we are to look to the Lord to cultivate unity within the body of Christ. And he says, finally, I want you to know how God's peace guides you. This is a conclusion as to what we are to dwell on. Now, this is a verse that many people use when they're going through trials. Or oftentimes when people ask for prayer, we run to this verse. Things are not going your way. This is the verse that we go to, right? Be anxious about nothing. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He has done. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true and pure and noble and praiseworthy, these, these are the verses. But here's notice, and at the end of verse 8, what does he say? Meditate, and I want you to circle this word on these things. That's very important, these things. These are the things that we should meditate on. We should not meditate on the things of the world. We should not meditate on those things that rob us of our peace and of our joy. We should not meditate on those things that that get us all worked up or that we're contemplating or thinking of the what ifs and and I'm not sure and I'm anxious or thinking about what you don't know instead of what you do know and that's the Word of God. (laughs) Too many times we're concerned more about what we don't know instead of fixing our thoughts on what we do know and that's God's truth. So meditate on these things. What, What are the important things? that we learned in Scripture, these things. And he uses this word here, meditate. It's a command. I want you to know that. Before we go to this very impressive and and, and, and virtuous list that we look at in verse 8, we're going to look at what it means to meditate on those things. Because it means to fix your thoughts here, this, this conclusion, this command. It's that word meditate, logazomai. That's what that word is. In the Greek, it means to evaluate, notice, to have careful calculation or to study these things. When we look at the list that we are going to observe and when we uh, read about it and when we study it, notice what we're doing. We're carefully evaluating it. We're calculating it. We're taking our time slowly. Why? can really meditate in our thoughts. And these are the things that promote growth in the spiritual life. These are the things that give us peace. These are the things that guide us. These things that are mentioned here in verse 8. In fact, this is the fruit of having a guarded heart and mind. And you saw that the guarded heart and mind come after we have been praying and seeking the Lord. Now that you have a Guarded heart and mind. You can concentrate on what pleases God. What pleases God? These things. So what does he say? 
Think properly. Think properly. This is what he's saying. What are we to do to think properly? Not, not thinking on the things that, that confuse you or to make you anxious or to make you afraid or the things that steal your joy. But that we would be guarded in our heart and our mind, protected now, guarded in our heart and mind so that God's peace is not escaping our mind through distractions. Oftentimes we let everything distract us, right? Every single little thing. Someone says something, we're distracted. But what are we to do to say, Lord, no, protect my mind, guard my mind, guard my heart so that nothing can steal the peace from my mind. That I'm protected from what comes into my mind, but I'm also protected from the peace of God escaping my mind through distractions. So here when he says meditate on these things, he's saying have a self-controlled, disciplined mind so your mind's not wandering, so your mind's not afraid, so your mind's not insecure. Notice, the Bible calls us to think about what we think about. Did you get that this morning? <laughs> the Bible calls you to think about the things that you spend your time thinking about. If garbage goes into your mind, guess what's going to come out? Garbage is going to come out of your life. If purity and truth come into your mind, notice what's going to come out. Purity and truth is going to come out of your life. This is exactly why we meditate on these things. God calls us to use our mind to fellowship with him. Number one, I want you to write that down this morning. God calls you to use your mind to fellowship with him. That's why he gives us these things. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said, notice, you shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, and with all your what? Mind. We are called to use our mind to fellowship with God. But we're also called to have a self-controlled mind. Number two, note that you are called today to have a self-controlled mind. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear? But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That your mind would be self-controlled, self-disciplined. That your mind would not be easily influenced. Or what about this? Number three, we're called to have a mind that's given over to holiness. That meditates on these things. Romans 8.5, it says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds according to the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds according to the things of the Spirit. Do you see why your mind matters? The things that you think about, that you meditate on, they truly matter to your spiritual walk? Or what about a submitted mind? In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Peter tells the church, therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Pull in all those loose ends in your mind that are, that are wandering off into things that do not honor God. Pull in those loose ends of the reproductive power of your mind and be sober in your mind. Sober-minded. That's what it means. So here when he's talking to the Philippians, talking about the peace of God and the God of peace, he says, finally, I want you to meditate on these things. Don't preoccupy yourself 
with thinking about things that don't please God. You know what happens to your mind? It's spinning a thousand miles an hour. (laughs) Thinking about everything but those things that God wants you to think about. And you think about where was your mind before Christ? Where was our mind before Christ Jesus? Before when we did not have these things to meditate on. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Before our minds were blinded. They were blinded with darkness. We couldn't see. We couldn't discern between truth, between right and wrong. We had abandoned the truth. In, in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible says that, that he gave them up over to their debased mind to reprobate thinking. Now today, we don't want a reprobate mind. You know, we want a renewed mind that thinks like God. This is how we have a mind that thinks like God. We marinate our mind in the Word of God. The purification of the mind happens right here. Today, we're going to have a cleansing of the mind. And it happens very quickly through two verses that we filter our thoughts through these things. He spells out in detail what we should think about as Christians to elevate your mind to holy thinking. Today, maybe you have thoughts that don't please God. Today, we want to elevate our mind to holy thinking. On these things, the object of our thoughts should be this. Whatever things are true. Number one, what should we be thinking about? The things that are true. What robs us of our peace or of our joy? Oftentimes in our life when we're going through trials, when circumstances are not favorably for us, what happens is that that this robs us of our peace, thinking about things that are not true. We're thinking about things that are not true, that that have never happened. Have you ever caught yourself maybe becoming worried about something that's never happened? Not being able to sleep because of things that are out of your control or necessarily are not part of reality? So we exclude what is false by thinking about what is true. Whatever things are true, I want you to think about these things In fact, whatever things are true, what he's saying here, I want you to think of that which corresponds to reality. Think about that. Write that down this morning, that you would think about the things that correspond to reality, the things that are true. Now, truth, as culture and the world would like to name it and call it, truth is not relative. Some people say, well, that's true to you. It's not true to me necessarily. We, we live in a generation, maybe that today, that, that people think that truth is not really that important at all. And they want to base everything more on feelings, on, on what feels good or how it makes you feel. No, you should not think about the things that make you feel good. You should think about the things that are true. As a believer, as a Christian, as a man of God, and what, notice what happens here is that we have an anchor to what is true and what is not true. We don't base ourselves and the things that we do on our feelings. We have an anchor as to what is true and what is not true. And the anchor for the believer, the Christian, is rooted in the nature of Christ, in the Word of God. That's why we must let our minds be filled with the Word of God. That is what is true. In John chapter 17, verse 17, when Jesus prays for His disciples, He says, sanctify them by your truth, Your word is truth. 
What is it that we are to be sanctified, cleansed by? By your word, because your word is truth. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to bring in lies into your mind. And you start to contemplate the lies, the deception. And it eventually, what does it do? It leads to confusion. In fact, John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said, You are with the father of the devil, and he, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he's a liar and the father of it. Who's the father of lies? Satan, the enemy. And what does he want to do? He wants to come and bring deception into your mind so that you're led astray. We should let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God fill our minds. Whatever things are true, the Word of God is true. But not only that, whatever things are noble and just. Let's look at those two now words that he describes. Whatever things are noble and just. What does that mean? Whatever things are honest, noble, and just, righteous. The things that are worthy of admiration. The things that are worthy of respect. Meditate on those things. It's speaking of honorable character. Think about things that, that, that promote an honorable character because there are many things that oftentimes we think about that are not admirable. There are many things that oftentimes we contemplate that are not respectable, and we should not think about those things. Think about oftentimes how things enter our mind that are the worst of people, or we assume the worst of them, or we, we oftentimes jump to conclusions, not thinking things that are honest or admirable or respectful. Hear what he's saying when he says, think about those things that are noble and just. Do not focus your, your attention on sinful, dishonorable things and do not permit sinful or dishonorable things to control your thoughts. Don't give attention to any dirty things. You think about how do those things come into your mind anyway? Well, let me ask you this. What do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? Because those things go into your mind. People ask oftentimes, should I listen to the, the music that's not Christian? Well, it depends what you want to allow in your mind. It depends what, what you want to allow in your mind when it comes to the things that you read. What kind of things are you reading? Are you reading things that are noble, that are, that are just, that are honest, that are admirable? What about this? The things that you watch. Because everything that you watch ha comes into your mind, and notice, it robs you of the peace of God. When he says here, think about the things that are true, noble, and just, it hears God's divine standard, God's holy character on one side of the scale. Think about that. And on the other side of the scale, it's your mind, which should be in proportion to God's character and holy standard. That when you think about God's holy character and standard, which is true, noble, and just, and you put that on a scale, that on the other side of the scale should be your mind, and it should be improportionate to His holiness, His character, and who He is. But also this, whatever things are pure, lovely, and of good report. This is amazing because it's telling us what we should concentrate on. And it says here, whatever things are wholesome, Think about the things that are morally pure. There where it says pure 
it means things that are clean. Don't think about things that are dirty. Think about things that are undefiled. Things that are uncorrupted. Do not spend your time thinking about things that are adulterated. In fact, think about things that are unadulterated or, or things that are, have been censored now by God's truth, by God's purity, that have been filtered out by the truth of Scripture. Those are the kind of things that our minds should be focused on. The pure things. What about lovely, winsome things? Things that are filled with beauty. Things that are attractive in the eyes of those that are pure. Things that are appealing in godly character. That's what it means to be lovely. You see, the things that we concentrate and the things that we look at and the things that we think about and meditate should be things that are attractive to those whose eyes are pure. To those whose character is pure. And then it goes also of good reports. Those that have a good testimony, you can think about those things as well. They have a a, a pleasing, worthy character or worthy of praise. Not, not anything that is revenge, uh, filled with revenge or, or, or wanting to get even with anyone, but, but things that are, that are respecting other people. I want you to think about when you look at these words, true and noble and just and pure and lovely and good reports, how you talk is a reflection of how you think as well. Here you see what you should be thinking about. But how you talk and how you live is a reflection of how you think. If we talk vulgar, if there's dirty things coming out of our mouth, if there's any sexual innuendos between believers, notice, that is a reflection of dirty thoughts. And there should be none of that within the body of Christ. And when you think about those things, when you talk about those things, notice what eventually will happen it'll manifest in your actions. You will become what you are thinking about. This is exactly why we want to meditate on this, because we want to become what we're going to think about. We want to protect our mind to think about only about the things that honor God. Some people would say, well, I can't believe those people think about, you know, they think really that about me. (laughs) Well, look at the way you talk. What else do you expect? (laughs) But if we talk in a way that promotes godliness and integrity and godly character, notice what's going to come out of our mouths and our minds. We're cultivating a mind that pleases the Lord. We must major on having these noble thoughts, not not base thoughts, not, not corrupt thoughts, not unprofitable thoughts, but thoughts that please the Lord. In fact, put a marker there in Philippians 4 and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. The book right before Philippians. And in Ephesians 4, verse 17, Paul tells the church of Ephesus the very same thing that what you think about affects your entire life. And in Ephesians 4, 17, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk, Ephesians 4, 17, as the rest of the Gentiles walk. You should no longer live your life like the world. But if you're not going to live your life like the world, notice, what's the first step? In the futility of their mind. 
Before, when we were in the world, empty without Christ, we were living in the futility of our mind, in the emptiness of our mind, in the vanity of our mind. Verse 18, Ephesians 4, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that was in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Notice, a dark life, a blind heart. Who being past feeling had given themselves over to lust or lewdness to walk in all uncleanness with greediness. This is what a futile, empty mind produces, a life of uncleanness, of greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. He's saying, but not you, you've learned Christ. If indeed you have heard of Him and have been taught by Him as a truth that is in Jesus. What does He say? That you put off concerning your former conduct because what you have received Put off your former conduct. The old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What should we be doing? Being renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The only way to put on the new man is to first have a renewed mind. This is exactly why we should be very careful what we meditate on. And he continues in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Notice as we go back there. If there's anything that is of virtue, if there's anything that is praiseworthy, meditate on those things. If there's anything that's morally excellent, anything that's virtuous, then meditate on that. Don't waste your mind power on thoughts that tear down others if others were to hear the things that you're saying. But meditate on things that are worthy of praise, that are commendable before God. Meditate on those things. But we choose to meditate on matters. Why? Because you cannot focus on what is wrong and expect to live right. And pay attention to that as he's sharing that. You can't focus on the things that are wrong and expect to live a life that is right. So as as for the Christian, when we we think about the things that we're going to do, you pass them through this test of of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. If it doesn't pass this test of Philippians 4, verse 8, then you're not going. You you would wonder, I don't know if I should go. Well, Philippians 4, 8. If it doesn't pass this test, you're not going. If it doesn't pass this test, you're not going to do it. You're not going to say it. You're not going to experience it. And if you do, you're inviting trouble into your life. Because now you're saying, I'm going to say something, do something, go somewhere. I'm going to watch something that doesn't pass the test of what God's already told me in His Word that I should meditate on. What should we do? Protect the mind. When you don't protect the mind, you get yourself in trouble. You start to wander off in sin. You know how it begins, this right thinking, as a result of daily meditations in the Word of God. You can only meditate on these things if you're already meditating on God's Word. What are the things that you meditate on throughout your day? What do you contemplate on? In Psalms 119, speaking of the entire Word of God, this entire chapter Verse 165, it says, Great peace have those who love your law. Great peace have those who love your word. 
and nothing causes them to stumble. Have you been stumbling recently? Trying to get up, but then you stumble again, you trip up again. Well, God's word tells us great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing will cause you to stumble if you're meditating on God's word. Nothing will cause you to stumble if you're meditating on the things that are mentioned here in God's word. Now notice this. It's very important that you know this. It's impossible for any Christian who spends his entire time, his entire morning, day, afternoon, evening, month after month, day after day, week after week, watching TV to expect to live a Christian mind. You know what happens that why oftentimes we don't have a Christian mind? Because we spend more time watching television on our phones, on the phone, browsing the internet, than we do reading our Bibles. A biblical mental worldview cannot exist with worldly programming. Do not let the world program your mind. Don't let the world program your kids' minds. That's exactly how the enemy is ripping off this generation through television, through the internet, through social media. Why? Because he's programming the minds of people. How do we program our mind? By opening the Word of God. By reading the Bible. I was reading a recent article that year over year from last year to this year, 26 million Americans have stopped reading or have any type of interaction any longer with their Bibles. You think about it. That's the coldness of our country when it comes to the things of God that no longer 20% of people that used to read the Bible they don't read the Bible anymore. They don't have an interaction with the Bible. They may have a Bible, but they never read it. And I think about how many people come to church every single Wednesday and Sunday and they open the Bible here, but they never get fed at home. You know why? Because they're not reading the Scripture. And they're letting the world program their minds. When you open the Bible, what is happening is you're letting the Bible, God's truth, program your mind so that you can seek the things which are above. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, it tells us, set your mind on things that are above. Don't set your mind on sin, on the world, on what you're going to do next. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ. And after speaking of the mind in, in verse 8, notice, he tells us that you can't separate this, this outward action that you say, you know, this is the way I live, with this inward attitude of the mind, that, uh, how you think. If you're thinking about these things in verse 8, then verse 9, your life will surely show it. It goes from facts in the head, but facts in the head are not enough. You can know all the facts that you want in your head, but you must have truths in your heart. Today, do you have the truths in your heart? That you're living a life with the conditions of God's word. Notice verse 9, right living or godly obedience. Let's look at what it says. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Right thinking, and then number two, right living. In only two verses, he gives us how we can have God's peace and how the, the God of peace will be with us. So simply here. 
Keep putting into practice, verse 9, everything that you have learned. Number one, everything you've learned, everything that you've been fed with in God's truth, make it a habitual practice in your life because you've learned it from the authority of Scripture. So everything that you learn, verse 9, the things that you have learned from Scripture, let that be the authority, put it into practice in your life. What you learned. Notice, not only hear it, but now do it. (laughs) Everything you learned, but also what you received. What does that mean, received? Your spiritual heritage. This tradition of God's Word that Paul had taught the Philippians. From the things that you learned to the things that you received, notice that, to the things that you heard. what What did they hear at that time? The testimony that they had heard of the good news, of the gospel message, of the truth of Jesus Christ. And not only that, but notice what more powerfully stands out here in verse 9. And the things that you saw in me. How many times do you know that people say, you know what, well, I want you to do as I say, you know, but don't do as I do. <laughs> or maybe you've, you've received a bad example from someone in the past. No, Paul is not saying that. He has enough integrity to say, use me as the example. If I've taught you it, if you've received it from me, if you heard it from me, in fact, what you saw in me, in my conduct, in my lifestyle, he presents himself as the example to the Philippians so that he can say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Paul was practicing what he preached, his message. It wasn't only something that he preached as theory, but it was something that he preached with conviction, that it changed his life. He said, I want you to do what I am doing. Now, did you know that your life is the, oftentimes the only gospel message that people will ever receive? Your life. Not, not, not the things that you say, not, not the, the bumper sticker you put in your car. <laughs> not the posts that you can put on social media. Not any of those things. The things that truly make the most significant in the life of other people is how you live your life. In fact, I, I heard a poem once that read this way, you're writing a gospel, a chapter a day, but the things that you do and the words that you say, people see what you do, they hear what you say, what is the gospel according to you? You're writing the gospel one chapter a day by the things that you do and by the things that you say. And here Paul is saying, these things do, apply them, obey them, what he had taught them. Everything that you heard in me, everything that you saw in me, don't just talk about it, also do it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, what does he say? Imitate me as I imitate what? Christ. An imitation, to mimic, that's what it means. What he's talking about here in verse 9, it's important because it's called discipleship. Write that word down, we all need that in our lives. Discipleship. In discipleship, it's as much caught as it is taught. Some things, I want you to catch them by what you see, by what I do, by how you receive. And other things, you're going to learn them. He says, but I want you to follow me as a disciple because everyone who is fully trained 
will be like his teacher. So he's saying here, be fully trained so that you can become more like me as I am more like Christ. In fact, the apostle would say in Hebrews 13, verse 7, this way, remember those who rule over you. Remember the example that you receive from those that are leading you, who have spoken the word of God to you, those that teach you God's word, whose faith follow, whose faith follow. People should follow your faith as well. Whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Why can we follow the faith of those that have taught us? Because you're considering the outcome of their conduct, their lifestyle. And Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, when you consider the outcome of my conduct, follow my faith. When you consider the outcome of my conduct, Paul is saying, notice what he's saying, then follow my faith. And notice what he says as he ends here in verse 9. This encouragement. These things do, and the God of peace will be with you. What's going to happen as a result? God's peace will be with us. That is the fruit. That is the result here. The God of peace will be with us. Not only know the peace of God, but the God of peace will be with us. That's the message even that we celebrate right now. That's why Jesus came. So the God of peace could be with us. In Matthew 121, we, we know the announcement of the birth of Christ to Joseph. And what did the angels say? Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, this word here, God with us. This is the God with us here. But I want you to know as we read even these two verses that the peace of God is only one test. The peace of God is one test so that we can know whether we are truly in the will of God. You want to know if you're truly in the will of God? Do you have peace right now? Oh, should I enter in this relationship? Well, do you have peace about it? No, I really don't. Then don't do it. <laughs> should I go to this event uh, that my friends of the world are, are, are inviting me? Well, do you have peace about it? No, I don't. Then don't do it. <laughs> the peace of God is only one test to let you know as an indication whether you are in the will of God. If, if, if we're walking with the Lord, notice, if we're walking in obedience, then the peace of God and the God of peace exercise influence over our lives because we're walking with the Lord. But whenever we disobey God and we, when we, we sin, when we compromise, what happens in our lives? When you sin, you compromise, you lose peace right away. Because you know you've compromised, you've sinned, you know you've done something wrong. And God's peace is that umpire that calls you out. Hey, you did something wrong there, there's no more peace. When, when the day that sin moves in, you know what happens the day that sin moves in your life? Peace moves out. And there's some people that have no peace, you know why? Because they haven't dealt with the sin. They want to say that I want the peace of God, but I don't want to live rightly. No, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Why will he be with you? Why will the peace of God and the God of peace have influence over your life? Because you're walking in submission to the Lord. Sin and the peace of God cannot coexist in the same mind, in the same heart, at the same time. You know what we need to do? Repent and deal with the sin. Or else there's going to be discouragement. Or else there's going to be loss of joy. 
But if you repent, you know what the Lord does? He restores to us peace. He restores to us joy. And how does that begin? When we have godly thoughts that produce godly living. Not base thoughts that produce base living. But that we guard our mind, that we guard our hearts through the now meditation of the word of God. And we learn to say this very important thing. This is so important in our thoughts that we learn to say no. The enemy comes and tries to put your, a thought into your mind. Say, no, I, I'm, I'm holding every, th- every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Because my mind belongs to the Lord. Amen? Let's pray.